0: Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday 5th of January, 2020. This morning we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 to 16 and brings us a message entitled, Elijah's God Still Lives Today. I invite you to come with me this morning to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. We're going to come into the chapter and verse 8 of 1 Kings 17. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that is Elijah. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. Now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be emptied until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days; The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty, empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. And we thank God for his word. Are there not times in our lives when we face desperate situations, situations in which we find our resources, our strength, our health, and even our friends depleted? Sometimes we find ourselves scraping the bottom of the barrel of our lives, and we may have asked many questions, among them being, why does God allow us to get into this business of barrel scraping? Why does the Lord allow the barrel of our lives to reach rock bottom, where we feel depleted, desperate, discouraged, or even depressed? Well, we will find some of the answers to those questions as we continue to travel with God's servant, Elijah the Tishbite. We have seen that at Cherith, the song of the brook was hushed, the rippling music of the brook was now silent, the drips ceased, the pools of water were replaced with sand and stone, and Elijah is now scraping the barrel, so to speak. He had done what God told him to do. So what was the next thing on the agenda for the Lord's servant? We began our reading this morning with these words. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And as we think about that this morning, we learn very valuable lessons. That God knew where he was. That God knew what he needed. That God knew where he was going. And the will of the Lord is being revealed through the word of the Lord. And here is a valuable truth that we must never lose sight of. If we want to know the will of the Lord, then we need to get into the word of the Lord. We become weak and wobbly and wayward when we wander away from the word of the Lord. He's told to go to Cherith, and he went there. And at God's precise time, he is told to leave Cherith and go to Zarephath. Here he is taking one step at a time. It reminds me of God's word to the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah 18 arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. Someone has said that the will of the Lord is like the headlights of the car. They give you enough light to go forward safely. And God is never ahead of time. He's never... Behind time, he's always on time, and his word is always true. When Abraham was ready to sacrifice Isaac, God spoke up and gave his servant directions. When the three Hebrews were cast into the very furnace, the Lord walked with them through the fire. When Daniel was cast into the den of lions, the Lord shut the lion's mouth for that moment. When Moses and the children of Israel were pursued by the Egyptian army and had their backs to the Red Sea. God, in his timing, parted the waters and guided them to safety. When Jonah was cast off the boat during the storm, the Lord had a great fish prepared to care for him. On the eve of Peter's execution, the Lord freed him from prison. On the night before the execution of Mordecai, a sleepless king found out that Mordecai saved his life and was not rewarded, and he was rewarded the following morning. What a great God we have. But James tells us that Elijah was a man like you and me. He emphasizes his humanity, and I have no doubt that he undoubtedly wondered what God had in store for him when he saw the brook beginning to dry up. But since his trust was in God, he exemplified what the prophet Isaiah said, He who believes will not be in haste. One translation puts it like this, He who believes need not be shaken. And Elijah believed and help arrived. And, of course, we see that God did not send a sudden shower of rain for that immediate neighborhood, nor did he supply some supernatural source of water in that place. Instead, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah, saying, Arise, get out of this place, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow to feed you there. Elijah was to arise, to go and dwell in that place. It was Zarephath. And only at Zarephath would a widow woman provide for him. Elijah was sent to the country from which Jezebel came, a heathen country where most of the inhabitants worshipped Baal. But he receives a word from the Lord, a word that had been revealed and preserved for his instruction and for our instruction this morning. And so for a few moments, let's go with the Lord's servant, moving to Zarephath and listen to what is being said and look at what is happening and learn from what has taken place. Remember, this is for our learning. It's not just a a mere historical happening. It's not just a nice story. It is for our learning. It is for our instruction. Notice, first of all, the request of the prophet. You see that in verses 10 and 11. We can see, of course, the end from the beginning now that we have the full revelation of this incident within the canon of Holy Scripture. The full revelation of God's Word tells us that this was the woman that God had in mind. But Elijah didn't know this at first, and so he tested her out to see if she was God's appointed individual. And when Elijah found her at the gate of the city of Zarephath, he asked her to go and fetch him a little drink of water. As the woman turned to fulfill the prophet's request, he adds a further request to bring him some bread in her hand. And this twofold request was understandable from where Elijah was standing. After all, he had traveled quite a distance, and in the conditions that would have prevailed in the land, he would have been hungry and thirsty. And so it would have been the most natural thing in the world for him to ask for food and drink. But here's a question worth thinking about this morning. How would such a request have appealed to this woman in the circumstances in which she found herself to be in? We see that it was a serious request. In normal times this request would have been all right. But famine had struck the land of Zarephath with tremendous force and both food and water would have been in short supply. And to think of asking a poor widow for physical help at this time was a serious thing to do. Humanly speaking, it was to rob her of the little she had. It was to ask for a share of her poverty-stricken supply. Elijah was asking that which meant life itself to this woman. The prophet was in actual fact uh, testing the woman. And you know, the believer at times is not exempt from times of testing. Financial restrictions, unexpected incidents, illness, the threat of unemployment, the disappointment of family life, the pressure and problems of daily occupation, and sorrow and suffering as well. All of these things can bring serious trial, and none of us who name the name of Christ are immune from them, yet God plans them for our good. It was a serious request, wasn't it? And it seemed to be a selfish request. Her reply in verse 12 is one of, dejection and despair to a man who could recall the ways in which God sustained Israel in the wilderness and that same God had just recently taken care of him at the brook Cherith, his reaction was one of faith notice the words that we read in verse 13 and Elijah said to her do not fear go and do as you have said but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. And it's those words, but first make me. Or as another translation puts it, make me first. We can see that the prophet was asking her to bring him something before even she and her son had eaten. And on the surface, it seemed to be so selfish, did it not? But the prophet's motive was God glorifying He was not concerned for himself for he knew God and he knew how God could provide. And Elijah stands before this woman as the representative of the living God and his request demanded that she put God first, even at this time of grave, personal, physical, material crisis in her life. And the world would read this story and would say she couldn't afford that. But you see, God was teaching her that she couldn't afford not to do it. And here was the heart of this dear widow being tested as to where her devotion to the Lord stood in a land and at a time where many hearts had been stolen and were going after another God whose name was Baal, was the order of the day. In the words of the Lord Jesus in the New Testament, Elijah was finding out if she would seek first the kingdom of God is she was prepared to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and trust God to add all other things to her. So often we say, me first, Lord. But God says, no, it's me first. You remember Peter in Acts chapter 10, where God speaks to him from heaven and the voice of God sends this message into Peter's heart and soul. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter responds in Acts 10 and he says, not so, Lord. But he was going to discover that you can't speak to God like that. You can't call him Lord with one breath and then with the next breath say, No. Wasn't that the challenge that Jesus brought to the Pharisees? Why call you me Lord and do not the things which I say? He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. He is Lord. And then we say, He's my Lord. He's my Lord. The wise men came from the east saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he? It's a good question. He's in heaven. He's in the highest place. God has highly exalted him. But the question that comes to you and to me this morning, have you and I? Is her faith such that she's going to trust God even even in the most difficult of circumstances, the request of a prophet? It was serious and it seemed to be so selfish. Notice the response of the woman. Verse 12, I think this was a commendable response on her part, considering the terrible crisis she faced. She could have reacted differently to what she did. She could have flatly refused to accommodate this strange, or at the very least she could have uh, told him that his food and drink was not her responsibility. She had enough to contend with. But there's no cry of complaint. There's no torrent of abuse abuse hurled at the prophet who dared to ask for such a thing. There's no excuse of any kind offered. In a very simple and striking way, she explained the circumstances that presently surrounded her life, circumstances that seemed anything but hopeful, to say the least of it, and there's no attempt on her part to conceal the reality of her circumstances. Notice that in what she says, she emphasizes her calamity. Look again at verse 12. As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. There's nothing in the house. She says, you've called it a very awkward time. I've only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug, and now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I might go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we might eat it and die. There's not a person here this morning, and uh, if you can say to the country, speak to me later, there's not a person this morning who's ever been in the circumstances that this woman's been in. The cupboard's bare, nothing. She's going to eat. This is going to be the last meal. When we have lunch, that's it. We're going to die. When we have supper, that's it, we're going to bed tonight, no more food, that's it, it's going to be all over. That's the circumstances in which she finds herself to be in. She was in a calamity, wasn't she? Maybe you see a picture of yourself reflected in this dear woman at times. We can be so dependent on things rather than him. So often we can place our trust more in man than in God. Sometimes we place far too much trust in ourselves. And we have become, in reality, so independent of God that we fail to look to Him in times when we need Him the most. And often we can lose the sense and sight and soundness of His promises. Trust in the Lord and don't despair. He is a friend so true. No matter what your troubles are, Jesus will see you through. You've sung it. So have I. Do we believe it? (laughs) There's the devil trying to interfere, isn't it? Do we believe it? Do we believe it? That God is able. Do we take his promises serious? I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will not forget you. I will not fail you. Someone has said you can never starve a man who is feeding on God's promises. As we look at her response, we see that her response emphasizes her calamity. And her response expresses her extremity. She says, when I take the flour out of the jar, when I take the water out of the vessel, when I gather these few sticks and light the fire and make the meal, that's it. Her language was the essence of despair. She was about to make her very last meal and then she and her son would have to starve to death. Here is the language of a soul that has lost the sight of the Almighty, lost the sense of God's greatness, the greatness of his power to provide and meet the need if it be his will to do so. You see, this woman knew nothing of the word that came to Elijah recorded in verse 9. We read it this morning. She didn't know that she was the widow that God had set apart and spoken to Elijah about. She knew nothing about that. At this moment of time, all she saw was this man making a request, which was absolutely outlandish. You're asking me? Do you know where I live? You know, there's no super value around the corner. Uh, There's no Tesco's. There's no Sainsbury's. I have no money. I have no benefits. I have nothing. I'm going to make this meal and we're going to die. Can you understand? What do you not understand about this, Elijah? And what this dear widow was going to experience is something that Annie Flint wrote about. When we have exhausted our store of endurance When our strength has failed, ere the day has done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. We must not overlook this fact that all that was happening here was not only a test to this woman, but a test to Elijah. Think for a moment about the situation that confronted his eyes. A widow and her starving son. A few sticks. A handful of meal a little oil and water between them and death. But God had said to him, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. How could he be a burden to this woman? He would say to himself. But like Abraham of old, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He was strong in faith. He knew that the possessor of heaven and earth had decreed that she should sustain him and even though there had been no flour or meal or oil at all that in no wise dampened his spirits or deterred him. And here we are this morning. We've known the goodness of God. We've known the faithfulness of God. We've known the power of God the Almighty. In his goodness and faithfulness and power should inspire us to have confidence in God no matter what the day may bring one last thing not only the requests of the prophet and the response of the woman but notice the replenishing of the supply the replenishing of the supply across this narrative this morning we can write these words that man's extremity is God's opportunity Elijah assured her that if she trusted in God, he would not overlook her circumstances and prove to her his unfailing care. The flour and the water, the oil would last her till it pleased the Lord to send rain upon the earth. And this is exactly what happened. Why? Because God is faithful in his person. God is faithful in his provision. God is faithful in his promises. And I'm sure she would recall throughout the countless ages of eternity the faithfulness of God in his dealings with her during the three and a half years of famine. How did it all come to pass, we may ask? Well, two things. She believed God's promises. Her flagging faith responded immediately to God's promises in verse 14. How do I know? Well, read verse 15. She went and did as Elijah the prophet had said. As I've already alluded, she might have advanced many excuses to the prophet's request, but great as the test was, her faith was equal to it. What is she doing? She's taking God at his word. She's obeying the word of her God through his servant, who was appointed by God to bring that word, and that is faith. Faith is just believing what God says he will do. He will fail us never, His promises are true. Haven't you sung it? Simply trusting every day. Trusting through a stormy way. Even though my faith is small, trusting Jesus, that is all. The proverb says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lead not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. She believed God's promises. She achieved the purpose of God. Immediately, she acted in faith as she gave the prophet first share of her food. She found to her delight that there was sufficient meal in the barrel to make another cake for herself and the boy. In fact, verse 16 says that the, the barrel of meal, the cruse of oil, did not fail according to the word of the Lord, which was spoken by Elijah. You see, it was God's purpose that his servant be sustained during the time of famine. And she achieved that purpose and shared in it because in the face of every obstacle, she believed the promise of God. That God is no man's debtor. That those who put him to the test will prove that he blesses more than one hundredfold. It is possible to prove God to the very last detail in every situation of life. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Tis grace that's brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. Oh, the one lesson that shines from Elijah's experience in Zeropath is this that God, that it is better to trust God no matter what the test or trials may be. And the widow was none the poorer for taking God at his word. Indeed, while many others perished and died as a result of the famine, she and the prophet, her son, and her household ate for many deaths. And like this woman, we all can prove that God will withhold no good things from those who trust in him. Though dark be my way, since he is my guide, Tis mine to obey; tis his to provide. though sisters be broken, and creatures all fear. The word he has spoken shall surely prevail. You see, Elijah's God still lives today. The quest of the prophet—it was serious; it appeared to be selfish the response of the woman had emphasized her calamity and expressed her extremity. The replenishing of the supply. She believed God's promise and she achieved God's purpose. Here we are at the beginning of 2020. What will this year hold for you? What will this year hold for me? I don't know. What will tomorrow hold for me? I don't know. Next week, next month, I don't know. Neither did Joseph Parker at the end of the 19th century. With these thoughts in his mind, he took his pen one day and he wrote these words. God holds the key of all unknown. And I am glad. If other hands should hold the key, or if he trusted it to me, I might be sad. What if tomorrow's cares were here without its rest? I'd rather he'd unlock the day and as the hours swing open say, my will is best. I cannot read his future plans, but this I know. I have the smiling of his face and all the refuge of his grace while here below. Enough, this covers all my wants, and so I rest. For what I cannot, he can see, and in his care, I safe shall be. Forever bless. What a God. This God is our God. Even unto death. Amen.